It is great to be with you, and you've already got your Bibles open to Ephesians chapter 4. As uh, we have been going through our theme this year, Take a Step, you know that we have said that uh, we are a disciple-making church, and disciple-making churches create discipleship pathways that encourage disciples to take a step. Last week, we talked about these four steps in the pathway that we're encouraging our church to take individually and collectively throughout this year. Last week, we talked about abiding in Jesus, which creates disciples who bear fruit and disciples who bear much fruit, bring much glory to God. So our number one step is we want to glorify God. Today we're focusing on the second step, which is the gathering. Jesus was the first one to use the word church in the New Testament. In Matthew chapter 16, he said, I will build my church. It's a promise he made. He's been building it ever since. We see evidence of Jesus building his church every day uh, when we come to this place. And that word that he used is the, the, the old word, the old ancient Greek word, ekklesia. Let me tell you what that means. It's the word that means the gathering or the assembly. Jesus is building his church by gathering disciples out of the world and gathering them together. So this morning, here's the big idea of the message. Disciples are Christ learners. That was a definition we used a couple of weeks ago. A follower who is a Christ learner. He doesn't just learn about Christ, but he learns how to live like Christ. Disciples are Christ learners who gather in covenant communities that we call churches to learn Christ together. Let me tell you about a relationship I have with something in the community. I have this relationship with a particular chicken sandwich store. I love the way the chicken sandwich store makes the chicken sandwiches, and I love the way the chicken sandwiches make me smile when I eat them. How many of you have this type of relationship with a particular chicken sandwich store in the community? How many of you have actually asked Truett Kathy into your heart as a functional savior uh, at times in your life, right? I go to the chicken sandwich store. They know me by name because they see me there all the time. And um, I, I appreciate it every time I say thank you that they say You've been there too. I see that you have the same relationship, okay? Now let me tell you something about my relationship with Chick-fil-A, okay? My relationship with Chick-fil-A is a consumer-based relationship. Because in all honesty, as much as I feel at home at Chick-fil-A, if Popeyes can figure out how to make that chicken sandwich better than Chick-fil-A, I'm gonna change my relationship. Now, I've got another relationship I want to tell you about, and it's a relationship that I have with this young lady named Andrea. My relationship with Andrea is different than my relationship with Chick-fil-A. At least it better be, right? <laughs> my relationship with Andrea is not a consumer-based relationship. It is a commitment-based relationship, a covenant-based relationship. And I'm so grateful because I... To be, to be honest, I'm not always having a great day. I'm not always at my best, and I'm glad that Andrea is not looking for some other chicken sandwich to be married to other than me. So my question to you is this. When you think about your relationship to your church, is it more like my relationship with Chick-fil-A, or is it more like my relationship with Andrea? 
Do you have a consumer-based relationship with this church, or do you have a covenant commitment relationship with this church? If, because the reality is this. You don't have to come to church anymore to get great Bible teaching. You don't have to come to church anymore to hear great worship music. You don't have to come to church anymore to actually gather in a community. You could get your Bible teaching from some church in Dallas. You could get your worship music from some church in Australia. You could get your uh, community from having coffee at Starbucks. So why would we talk about the importance of church membership? And that's the question this morning I want to attempt to answer. I'm going to give you five reasons why you should embrace church membership. Now, I need to know who's here, okay? Uh, because there are some people here who are members of, of, I almost said it, of Gospel City Church. If you are a member of Gospel City Church, I want you to stand up right now. All the members of, our, of Gospel City Church, let me see you. We will see the members. Stand up. Be a proud Gospel City Church member. Look at all these people. Great, 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 great. Okay. Now, the people that are seated, I want you to look at the people that are standing. Do, do, do they look safe to you? Do, do they look like they might be stable, a growing encouragement maybe? Okay, you guys can sit down. All right. Now, if you weren't standing there, thank you for being here. This is not, we're not going to guilt you into being a church member. That's not the purpose of this message at all. Um, but I'm going to lay the cards on the table. I am telling, I am I am compelling everybody in this room right now to take your next step as a church member or to take your next step into the church membership that is Gospel City Church or Grace Church or Granger Community Church or Granger Missionary Church or Redeemer Church or I could keep going down the list, Southside Baptist Church on the south side of South Bend. I, I've got great relationships with many of these pastors in the community and th this may not be the church for you, but if you call yourself a Christian, you need to embrace the importance of church membership. And we're going to see it here in the scripture. We've already read that scripture here in Ephesians chapter 2. Let me give you the first reason why you should embrace church membership. Number one, church membership clarifies who is part of the household of God. Look at this verse. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with, notice the collective nature of that, you are with the saints and members of the household of God. Some people don't even think that church membership is like a biblical thing. Like you can't find the words church membership in the Bible. It's true, true. I can't show you a command that says you ought to be a member of a church. But the New Testament assumes that and it communicates to us through so many metaphors how we are to embrace the collective nature of discipleship in a local household of God. How many of you are a head of a household? I think that's like even like an official tax designation or something. You're a head of a household, right? Those of you that are heads of household, do you know who is a part of your household? I mean, do you know how many members you have in your household? Do you know how many people you're responsible for? How many of you that are heads of household occasionally have some people that like couch surf in your house? Like there's some guests and some, like these people like linger around and they actually consume resources. But at the end of the day, you're not paying their college tuition. 
You're not paying their insurance. I mean, you know who's in and who's out, right? And so that is the, the what communicates to us through the, the scripture is that there is a clear distinction between those who are in the household and those who are not a part of the household. And it even uses the word members of the household. The scripture communicates to us that the church is a household. It's a family. And we need to know who's in and out of the family. Notice you're either a member of the household, you are citizens, or the only other option in the verse is you're a stranger or an alien. How many of you actually are a little strange? You're, you're, a little, you're strange. Or do we have any aliens in the room? I don't know. You, do, you know do you know what an alien is? You, I mean, you've seen movies, right? You know what an alien is, right? It's, it's a creature that comes from another world. This is the language that the Bible is using to talk about what we're like if you're not a part of the household of God. You're an alien. And, and the, the idea is that those of us who are in the church have immigrated. We have left our previous world and we've entered into another world and now we're citizens of this world, but we've crossed over. The idea is there's a dividing wall. There's a wall at the border and uh, that wall is sin. Sin keeps you out of the citizenship of the family of God, but Jesus is the door and he invites you to come in in grace and through repentance and in, in uh, entrusting yourself to Christ. You get a citizenship. You're not a visitor. You're, you're not a, resi a temporary resident, you are a citizen. And that's what it means to be a part of the membership of a local church. The idea is you, you, you realize I do not belong to this world out there. I don't feel at home out there. I feel at home in here. I hope you felt at home. And you walk in this room and you see the people around here and you're like, these people, these are my people. Those people out there, uh, those are not my people. These, these are my people. That's what we're supposed to feel and sense when we step into this place because we are part of the household of God. Notice how these verses here talk to us about the connection that we have. The verse goes on and says that this household is being built. Who's building it? Not the pastor, not, not the elders. Jesus is building his church. It's built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets. And so we have this long lineage of the original disciples and the prophets and the Old Testament there. And Jesus himself is the chief cornerstone in whom the whole structure is being joined together. I mean, we have a great illustration of that here laying in the parking lot because the erector set is, be, is out there laying in the parking lot and the builders are now putting together the pieces and they're building a physical structure in the same way Jesus is building his family, the household of God, which is the membership of this local church. And it's being joined together. It grows because it's alive and it's healthy things grow. It grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him, you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God, the spirit. What we are collectively is the household 
in which God dwells. What a privilege. There is no higher privilege than to be a member of the church of Jesus. Understand this, church membership is the visible expression of our invisible union with Christ. How many of you were in church last week? Raise your hand if you were in church last week. In church, and was like, I think I was. Remember, you remember everything about the sermon, right? Uh, Remember how we talked about abiding in Christ and that is our spiritual union with Christ. He dwells in us and we abide in him. Incredible realities for every Christian. But so many of those things are, are invisible. They're cosmic. They're spiritual. So what makes it tangible for us? Our church membership is the visible expression of our invisible union with Christ. We're not only united to Christ, we're united with everyone who is united with Christ. And so we need to understand the essential nature of the church. Listen, a Christian without a church is like a quarterback without a team. I can claim to be a quarterback all day long. I'm a quarterback. Your question to me would be, really, what, what team do you play on? Oh, I don't have a team, but I'm a quarterback. Who catches your, your passes? Nobody, they just fall incomplete every time. But I'm a quarterback. Um, anybody block for you? No, but who's your coach? I don't, listen, I don't need a team to be a quarterback. Yeah, you kind of do. And if there's no team that wants you as their quarterback, you're probably not a great quarterback. The same is true as a Christian. I have every right to question your claim to be a Christian if you cannot tell me what church you are united with, that you are connected to, that you are a member of. And understand this, just being on the roster of a church membership does not mean you are a Christian. But your claim to be a Christian is verified and validated by others in the church that say, yeah, you're one of us. You belong to one of us. You believe like us. You serve like us. You're on the same mission as us. This is what we do in the local church. And so there's a great assurance of salvation that occurs when you are connected to a local church and there's people that verify your claim to be a Christian. Here's the second thing. Understand this. Church membership connects me to a community of encouragement and discipleship. Look at this verse in Hebrews chapter 10. Let us consider how to stir one another up to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as the habit of some, but encouraging one another and even more as you see the day approaching. I'm not a great cook, but my best thing is like that, that Velveeta and the Rotel thing. And, and you put that like in the crock pot and you just watch football for three hours. I've learned that if you don't stir that stuff after the first quarter, it's inedible for the rest of the game. And so is the church. I need people stirring me up so I don't get stagnant and stale. 
I, I need somebody to stick that spoon in there and just agitate me. My job is the spoon. I get to be the agitator to your Velveeta and Rotel thing, right? And so this is what keeps us going. Church membership is the admission that my heart will stray if it's not tethered to others who are committed to stirring me up. Stirring me up to what? To love and good works, to love God, to love my spouse, to love my children, to love the lost world, to love these difficult people in the church. I need to be stirred up. In other words, I will not take my next step without others stirring me up to love and good works. Not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some. So the gathering of the church is absolutely essential. Every six days, we gotta get together to be stirred up. Not the bad habit of missing church. That's a bad habit. I told the men at the men's breakfast yesterday, if anybody has to ask you on Saturday night, are we going to church? That's a, that's a, that's a fail. That's just, that's a given. I'm connected to a church. I know I'm prone to wander. I've got to be in church. I've got to meet together. I need the encouragement of other people. And it says even more as you see the day approaching. How many of you believe we are approaching the day that Jesus has come back? It's getting closer. If you believe that, he says you better meet more often because you're going to need that. I mean, let's be honest. Saturday nights are hard, right? Especially last night. How many of you stayed up a little too late watching football last night? And it's like, was it a little harder to get out of bed and come to church this morning? Was that a little more difficult? Is there anybody that was actually in Georgia last night that was at, at the game? Did anybody go to the game last night? Like, did anybody actually play in the game last night? Oh, look, I see a couple of guys over here. Look, these guys are in the game last night. And what time did you guys get back, Myron? Five o'clock, a.m. And you're in church. Do you have any sympathy for these guys that were late to church this morning? No, 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 no. Number 95 on your program, number one in your heart over there. Jeremiah's next to him there. I mean, yeah, man, these guys, they're in church because this is what we do. We understand Jesus is number one and we understand that this is my identity, this is my body and I need the encouragement. So I don't know what your excuse was, but let's get together as a church and meet and press on. We need one another to speak the word of God into each other's lives. Look at this verse, Colossians chapter three, verse 16. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Now that's an individual thing, right? That's me and my Bible, Jesus speaking to me. But then notice how it becomes a collective thing. Now teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms, and hymns and spiritual songs with thanksgiving in your hearts to the Lord. That's why we spend the first 30 minutes of the service just encouraging one another with the praise of God and stirring one another up to love and good works. Diedrich Bonhoeffer was a pastor in Germany back during, prior to World War II. And he said this in his book on discipleship. He says, when one person is struck by the word, 
He speaks it to others. Have you ever had that happen? You've, you've been struck like a lightning bolt by the word of God. God illuminates that off the page and speaks directly to you. He says, then you speak it to others. He says, God has willed that we should seek him in finding his living word in the witness of a brother, in the mouth of another man. Therefore, a Christian needs another Christian to speak God's word to him. The Christ in his own heart is weaker than the Christ in the word of his brother. His own heart is uncertain, but his brother's is sure. Do you understand what he's saying? I need others to speak the word of God into my life. That happens in the context of local church membership as we stir one another up. I was here for the men's breakfast uh, yesterday morning as well while Wes was over here. I was at a table over here and I was sitting next to, to Frankie on, on Tavares. He's right there. And, um, and he said something to me that stirred me up. This is what he said. We were talking about the effect of God's word in our lives. And Frankie said this, I dig into God's word every day because I know without it, the world will be digging into me. Bam, that's going in the sermon <laughs> because that stirred me up. And now that's stirring you up. And I'm trusting that it's going to stir us up. We need one another to say, man, if Frankie needs it, I need it. If Trent needs it, you need it. And, and we, we stir one another up. We can't do it by ourselves. Number three, church membership provides protection and direction through godly leaders. Notice 1 Peter chapter 3, chapter 5. Shepherd the flock of God. The word shepherd there is the same word for pastor, same word for elder in the church. So shepherd the flock that is among you. Notice there's some type of geographical distinction to that word. I don't have to shepherd every flock of God. I only have to shepherd the flock of God that is among us. So apparently there are various flocks of God. Those are local bodies, local flocks. And he says, this is what you do as a shepherd. You exercise oversight. So you have to be watchful. You have to know what's going on in the flock. The more sheep you have, the greater elevation the shepherd has to have to see all the flock. That's why we need under shepherds and we need small group leaders and we need other people to pour into each other's lives. And so not under compulsion, but willingly as God would have you, not for shameful gain, but eagerly not domineering over those in your charge, but being examples to the flock. And so church membership provides you this wonderful group of people who love you and want to know you and to steer you in the right direction and to protect you from theological error. That's what you gain when you gain uh, membership in a church. If you are not a member of a church, who's watching over you? Who's giving you spiritual protection and direction? Who's shepherding you? Who's steering you away from the cliff and feeding you well in green pastures? And this, how would the shepherds supposed to know you're in their flock if you've not declared that as a church member? Church membership clarifies which sheep are which flock. And so help 
help out your shepherds by knowing who's in the in the flock. And then sheep have a responsibility as well. In Hebrews chapter 13, it says this, remember your leaders and those who spoke to you the word of God, consider the outcome of the way of their life, imitate their faith, obey your leaders and submit to them for they are keeping watch over your souls as those who will give an account. Let them do this with joy and not with groaning for that would be of no advantage to you. So your goal as a sheep is to ensure that the elders meetings and the pastors meetings are filled with laughter and smiles rather than groaning and weeping. And I got to tell you, for the most part, our elder meetings and our pastors meetings are filled with joy as we think about those of you that are taking next steps. That, by the way, that's one of the reasons because we're charged one of these days we're going to give an account of you to God. It's one of the reasons we pass that register. You, you ever get tired of that register coming down? Some of you do purposely do not sit on the left-hand side because you're just hoping nobody's going to pick it up and pass it down that side. You, you, you sit as far away from the register as possible. Let me tell you why the register is so impossible. It, it's because we want to give good direction and good leadership to you. So do you know what happens? If you're a member of our church and we don't see your name on the register for three weeks, you get an email are you still alive? Do you still love us? Is there a problem? Can we help? Because you're a member and we don't see you. You're, our, you're part of the flock. Have you wandered off? Can we help? If we don't see your name for six weeks, you get a phone call. Some of you get phone calls and you've been here every week. You're like, I've been here every week. Well, then fill out the register. We're trying to do our job here to, to giving you good oversight, right? That's what the register is all about. And if, you, if your name doesn't show up for 10 weeks, it's like you get a call from a pastor and it's like, hey, dude, are you, what's going on? Have you joined another church? Is there any reason? Is there, is there a conflict? Can we resolve something? Is there a communication issue? We want to know because we want to be good shepherds and we want you to be good sheep. And so church membership provides that, that spiritual protection and direction. Number four, church membership signals who can be counted on. Church is a body. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 12. There are many parts, yet one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you. Nor can the head say to the feet, I have no need of you. The members may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. Now you are the body of Christ. You is plural. You people. All y'all people are one body and individually members of it. Do you know what that means? We're not all alike. We're all very different. Some of us are more different than others. Um, some of us are uh, stronger in areas where, where we're, others are weak. I, I my part in the body, it's like, I, I really feel like I only do a couple of things like adequately. I'm kind of doing my thing. That's like my best thing. And I get to be the mouth. Now, not everybody gets to be the mouth. The reality is most members of the body are unseen. Like the hypothalamus, 
Some of you are the pancreas. And uh, very essential to the healthy functioning of the body, but you're probably not going to stand up here and do this thing. This is the mouthpiece. Everybody wants to be the mouth. I don't know why everybody wants to be the mouth. But it, notice there's an eye, there's an ear, there's a, there's a foot, there's a, there's a head. And so we need to understand we all are needed in the body. For those of you that haven't connected to the body, you're making the body that is Gospel City Church weaker because every member is needed to lock arms together and serve Christ together. And then the good news is this, when you're hurting and you're wounded, other members of the body race to provide care for you. I've had people ask me because they've noticed this. Have you noticed that? Have you ever wondered what, hey, what happened to your finger? Um, and this is what happened a couple of weeks ago. I was at my mom's house in Oklahoma. I was cleaning up her patio. And uh, I came back in and I slammed the door on my finger. Did you, did you feel what just happened in this room when I said that? Some of you, your faces winced. And some of you went, ooh. And I trust you, it was worse when it actually happened than your response there. I felt a little bit of sympathy, but not as much as I needed at that point. Can I do that again? I slammed my finger in the door. Yeah, thank you. I felt better about that. All right. And you know what happened? Even though this was the part that was wounded, it affected every other part of my body. My knees buckled. My face went, ah. A shout came out of my mouth. I didn't cuss. Um, I was filled with Jesus that day, but everything in my body hurt. This hand, the healthy hand with the healthy fingers, immediately wrapped themselves around the wounded hands. That's, a, that's what happens in a healthy church body. We all get wounded. Throughout the week, we come in here, we've been beat up, we're exhausted, we've been persecuted, we feel like a failure, we've sinned, others have sinned against us, and we gather back in here to allow the body to wrap itself around us for healing and encouragement and stirring up love and good deeds. And so we, we're counting on you to do that. And what you're saying when you're a member of the church is like, you can count on me to be a strong healing member in the body. You can count on me to attend. You can count on me to love. You can count on me to pray. You can count on me to be an encouragement. You can count on me to give financially and cheerfully to the ministries of this church. You can count on me to serve on teams and park cars and keep kids and disciple small group members and, and serve in youth groups and go on mission trips because I'm realizing I'm responsible for the whole body. The mistake is to think that the few people that get to be on the platform are the ones responsible for the body. That's an exhausting thought. We're all responsible and we all should be able to say, count on me, count on me. I'm showing up, I'm involved, I'm an encouragement. And there's times that you're the wounded one and we wrap around you and, and we help and encourage. That's what a body does. Fifth thing, church membership expresses my desire to be part of a movement bigger than myself. Don't you want to be something, be a part of something that's bigger than you? To do things that you can't do on your own? Uh, there was a lady that came to me after the first service today and she said, 
I could tell when I was truly engaging in this church as a, as a membership. It's when I, I went to the bathroom one Sunday morning and the toilet was broken. And my first thought was, they need to fix this. And then she realized, no, this is my toilet. I'm a part of this body. And so she took the lid off. She reached her hand down in the, the tank there and reattached the chain to the thing. She put the thing back on there and she left. And she didn't tell anybody until this was years later. She just told me today and she wasn't expecting me to tell you. But she was just like, I knew that was the point when I embraced the toilet at the church. <laughs> this is my responsibility. I'm not, I shouldn't be waiting for somebody else to come along. This is our thing. And that's when you know when you're truly a church member, it's when you stop using the pronouns they and them, and you start using the pronouns we and us. This is our thing. We are disciple makers. We are going to fulfill the Great Commission. We are glorifying God. We are expanding this facility. Not they are taking the offering. We are giving in the offering. And by the way, you don't take an offering in church. Does everybody know that? Because if you take it, it's not an offering. That's called robbery if you take it. If you receive the offering, now we're, we're receiving something that is freely given. So membership says, man, I want to be a part of something that's bigger than me. It's going back to the understanding of that word church. When Jesus said, I will build my church, he was speaking of a movement, not a place. Because the word ecclesia implies movement, gathering out of the world, by the gospel. But then once you gather, you don't get stuck within the four walls of the church. We gather so Jesus can scatter us back into the world with the gospel. Gathered out of the world by the gospel, scattered back into the world with the gospel. And so all of us, we're like, man, we, we can't accomplish the Great Commission alone. I'm not smart enough. I don't have enough energy. I don't have those gifts. But together, look at the resources. If we would all embrace the responsibility to take a step gathering as the body of Christ. So practically, how does that happen around here? Let me just give you the most practical thing, okay? First of all, here's the process. First of all, it, all right, this is a public worship event. Anybody and everybody can come to this thing. We don't check membership at the door. You don't have to pay dues to come in. You just, it's open door. You, you come in here, but it, I was heard from Pastor Tyler, as ta Pastor Tyler does, somebody in the last service, was a Unitarian Universalist agnostic. Never been to church before until today. And they left today with a Bible and a copy of Who is Jesus from our resource center. And they're going to get coffee with Tyler. So pray for that. And that person can come and, and, and for the rest of their lives. They are welcome to worship. You are welcome to worship. But w we reserve the right to compel you to unite with Christ in genuine salvation. Repent and believe the gospel. That's the message you're going to hear if you dare to come and then you take a step uniting with Christ, understanding now I've united with the universal church of Christ and I should unite with a local expression of it. What happens? How do I do that? Um, there's this thing called the membership class. I think it's coming up soon. Oh, it's tonight at five o'clock. 
And we're, if you'll come tonight at five o'clock, you attend the membership class, we'll tell you about all our doctrine and our distinctives and how we do ministry and what our passions are. And then at the end of that, we'll give you an application. You say, an application? That sounds so formal. It's a piece of paper where you tell us your story about coming to Jesus and how that's impacted your life. We ask you, can you affirm the doctrinal statement? Have you been baptized? On the right side of your salvation, that creates a conversation, and then we'll schedule an, an appointment for you to meet with an elder. You say, whoa! Listen, our elders are fuzzy people. They love people. We have no scary elders on the team. We don't allow scary elders. It's, you're going to love our elders. They're just sitting, just like, get, just like, oh, I wish I could meet with this elder every week. They're friendly people. And so we want to get to know the membership. It's our responsibility to shepherd the flock. So we need to know who the sheep are. And then you're embraced into membership where you're expected to live in covenant community as a disciple of Christ. Just taking your next step. That's it. So... You can stop by and see a pastor at the end of this service and say, I'm coming, sign me up. I got 17 children, please provide childcare, whatever you needed to happen there. Or you can just show up, we'll figure it out. Just be here tonight, we'll feed you pizza in the middle of it, we'll keep you for about three hours, send you out here, and you'll be taking your next step to membership. But we need to embrace the essential nature that is membership in a local body. Would you bow your heads with me? Now don't, don't check out. Right now the Spirit of God is speaking individually to each one of you. What is he saying? What is the next step for you in relation to church? Do you need to break some bad habits of missing church? Do you need to receive Christ? Understanding that church membership doesn't connect you with Christ. Connecting to Christ is a prerequisite for church membership. Some of you need to step onto a team. You need to shoulder responsibility. And for many of you, you just need to be here at five o'clock. That's it. Lord Jesus, thank you for the apostles and the prophets and the pastors and the teachers down through the thousands of years that communicated the gospel and led churches, planted churches that eventually got us right here to Gospel City Church. Thank you that we get to be a part of what you are doing, what you are building. It's all built on the foundation of Jesus. And we're not the only church. And if this is not the right church for some, would you direct them into the church where you want them to serve? We want to be faithful to represent you well in this community. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.